0: Hello, and welcome to Recruiting in Hospitality from Caterer.com. I'm Lancelot Narayan, and in each programme, we'll be inviting top names from the hospitality industry to discuss issues concerning employers. We'll be talking recruitment, development and retention, and also about matters that affect you and your teams. In June, Caterer.com held a special event at the Soho Hotel to launch its entry-level talent campaign and to deliver the results of our latest research. We found a staggering 97% of school-aged children and recent school leavers in the UK have already written off working in hospitality as a career option. Why is this happening and what solutions can the industry offer? Michelin-starred chef Tom Atkins, who's spearheading our campaign, introduced the event. We then hosted two discussion panels before an audience of nearly 100 industry professionals and we're pleased to be able to bring you recordings of those panels now. Firstly, I spoke to John Guthrie, Employment Policy Advisor at UK Hospitality, Anne Pierce, Chief Executive at Springboard, and Louise Davies, founder of the Food Teacher Centre. I began by asking Louise what was being done in schools in the creation of curricula to encourage young people into a career in hospitality.
1: Good morning everyone. Thank you for inviting me here. In answer to your question, obviously um, the survey showed about some of the concerns that our teachers have in some of the cutbacks that have been going on in schools um, and the reduction that there's been in terms of given the time given and the amount of children that are now allowed to do a GCSE exam. Uh, in the last 10 years, we've seen that reduce from 96,000 a year down to about 43,000 children. So we're seeing a diminishing opportunity for those young people. And so we represent the 5,000 food teachers that are out there and really pleased that caterer.com have raised this issue and allowed us to you know, respond to that survey because it's something that we worry about. And um, food teachers would very much like to be seen as part of your team um, as Tom quite rightly said, you know, it's either a parent that lights that spark within young people, mm-hmm. but in many cases it's often a teacher in school that encourages a young person mm-hmm. to come forward um, in the industry. And you've got a whole group of people out there that really would like to work with you all much more closely to be able to promote um, what they're doing in their schools. A couple of examples of things that um, our teachers are doing um, currently. Um, We're two uh, interesting programmes running. One's called Chefs Back to School. Um, and this is where we get uh, students who are in the local FE colleges doing catering courses, quite new into um, deciding to do this as a career, returning back to their previous secondary school as an ex-student, dressed up in their chef's white to talk about their course and to sort of regale to the students saying, yeah, I remember being like you a couple of years ago, didn't know what to do, and talk about their courses and encourage peer-to-peer coming forward to come into something which they can tell them how exciting their course is and some of the experiences they've had. One of the other examples of a simple thing we've been doing is we've been working with the Royal Marines on their career awareness programme called EAT. Um, And one of the the parts of their programme is to go out and do school workshops and masterclasses. Um, And they were just about to disband this career awareness programme because there didn't seem to be much uptake from our schools because they were going in through the careers advisor. So we put them in touch with the food teacher in every school um, and that team's now fully booked for the next three years to go around the country talking about going into that as a career, talking about how exciting it is, the opportunities that there are and the career progression. And it's, you know, it makes a huge difference when you've got real examples. They're quite small examples, but they're things that people can get on board with in terms of solutions.
0: How easy do you think it is to, to, to do these to create these initiatives and, and fill these
1: gaps? I, I've talked with a few people over coffee and I think there's there's already um, a lot of individual programmes going on, isn't there? And I think what we have to do collectively here is perhaps to look at ways that we can highlight all of those programmes and go directly into schools and, and link with people who are equally as passionate about young people coming forward into the, into the business. Um, and I think if you can get in touch with the right people then uh, that's certainly something we're really happy to help with and others in the room as well. So... Um, that's the thing isn't it it, I think there's lots of individual things going on it's about about bringing those Mm. all together under a banner of of people's attention to things Is is
0: there anything you think the hospitality industry can learn from other industries the things that they're doing and things they're getting right that we can nick
1: Yeah I I, I was thinking about this when um, you're talking about the um, things that people don't appreciate about coming forward in this career and a few years back we had this same kind of results for engineering um you know it had a real bad rap nobody wanted to come into engineering it was seen as you know oily rags dirty just something you didn't really want to go and do and when you look at what um a similar sector then collectively got themselves together to have much more of a, a campaign and a central Um, source of information so you can go to a a website called tomorrow's engineers and there's case studies there there's information for parents uh you can sign up schools can sign up for things um, they can sign up for activities and clubs there's ambassadors that go into schools you know there's one place that you can go and to find out those things and so i think engineering kind of cracked it they got all the different organizations that are interested in promoting engineering together um, had much more appealing case studies, they looked at F1 cars, they looked at sports, you know, they looked at different aspects of engineering. And I think there's as many exciting case studies about it, our industry that we kind of need to get out yeah. there with, yeah. with our young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there are some good examples that we can look at. So we're not yeah. kind of starting from scratch, we can learn mm-hmm. and perhaps, you know, piggyback off some of the yeah. things that they have done and, and transform that.
0: Anne, if, if I could move to you, Springboard. Uh, And the the future chef competition just seems to get bigger every year was there at the final and it was it was great and the dinner the night before was 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 fab Um, It reaches even more children with every with every year that it moves on uh, Around the country what's been built into the program specifically to encourage competitors? You know meaning that the children that take part to consider careers
2: Thank you. Um, well, Future Chef now has been running since uh, 1999 and was introduced to try and encourage young people to think about entering the industry to try and do something about the skill shortages. And over the years, it's grown from a, a little competition in North West London with nine schools and about 100 kids um, to last year involving 600 secondary schools nationwide and over 14,500. 12 to 16 year olds, and the way that we've been developing that Future Chef program is to embed it within the food curriculum in schools. So for us, it's a bit alarming that there is this reduction in the amount of schools that are offering food um, at GCSE and equivalent levels. So that so that's really tricky. But you know, it seems that Future Chef is bucking the trend because it's growing and growing and growing year on year, and and one of the most important. Um, i suppose inspirations alongside future chef is the engagement we have from professional chefs in industry who are linked to all of the schools that are participating and they go into the schools and help um, the teachers (coughs) deliver on key aspects of the curriculum particularly where it's industry skills that teachers might find more challenging to deliver and those chefs i think as tom said earlier are really critical because they are the ones that are inspiring those young people to then move into the industry when they leave school, and um, the engagement that we have with many employers that are partnering with us on Future Chef is critical, because they're the ones that are working with us on how we convert those fourteen and a half thousand into our apprenticeships of the, of the apprentices of the future, um, and we need desperately more professional chefs more employers to engage with us to help encourage those young people to um, you know nurture that interest but then move them into career opportunities we now have a huge number of alumni from future chef that are working in the industry who, like Louise says, are amazing ambassadors because they're the ones that are closer in age group to the children that are doing, uh, getting involved in Future Chef. And they can see that, like, you know, from them, they've gone on to taking part in Future Chef and then um, getting a great career and, and an inspired career and get, getting you know, lots of accolades as well just last week i was at the craft guild of chefs awards and it was a future chef alumni that won the young chef um craft uh, guild award and um, he's now working at Le Manoir caps on with raymond blanc so you know there are many examples where that this program has succeeded well, yeah, yeah it's horrific. and and the competition is the kind of high profile bit if you like it's the the sexy bit mm-hmm. um but is really important because each of the competitors <coughs> have a mentor chef from industry who Again, nurture the, the talent into
0: the industry. Parents are big influences. I mean, they they form the, their, their children's worldview. Um, I don't blame them for my bitterness and, and twistedness, but uh, that's uh, <laughs> you know. But they are they are key. And if they sort of put the downer on a on a career in hospitality the child is more likely to go that yeah. way. Now at Future Chef, I spoke to um, a number of parents and I interviewed them subsequently. Mm. Now they all said, yes, if my child wants to pursue a career in hospitality, I will encourage that. But before that, before the competition, it didn't even enter their heads. Mm. Is there? Does it need to be a key component of the competition moving forward?
2: Absolutely. And I mean, there are ways in which, you know, the parents can, can be influenced now. So for every stage of the competition, there's, you know, a local final, there's regional, well, there's 80 local finals, there's 12 regional finals and the parents are invited to each of those and what we try to do um, to give the parents something to do while the competition is going on is have activities going on with emperors, with chefs with the colleges because the colleges host all of these um, competition finals to really educate parents and you know we'll have panels like this one but with people talking about about the careers and it it, it is that Practical engagement, giving people that experiential learning that gets the message across in the most powerful way, both to parents, to teachers, but also to potential recruits into the industry. We've actually had some parents come into the industry as a result of their experience of getting involved in in future share. It's like, you know, if I use a personal example as well, when when I was young, I used to be a competitive athlete. And as a result of my involvement in athletics, my parents then became, you know, national timekeepers. And, you know, so it is about how you, through the children, can reach young people, uh, so reach the parents.
0: Mm.
2: Is there there more
0: the industry can be doing right now actively to encourage children? I mean, you've got other programs running at at Springbourne as well. Um, Are there things that. Also, are there things that employers have got right now that they can utilize?
2: You see, I think there's loads of things going on in the industry to try and attract talent. And, and I, you know, ev- everywhere I go, there are brilliant things happening. What I th- think is that this needs to be a sustained, almost crescendo of activity that goes on. It's not, it's not like um, a dip and dip out thing that you can do. You have to keep reinforcing the message. You have to keep going into schools and inspiring on a regular basis because we're not the only ones that are trying to attract that talent. There's huge competition out there, and they remember the last thing heard and and so that's why i think it, it's not something that'll go away we have to keep doing the things keep going in and keep reinforcing the message and one of our most powerful programs other than future chef is our ambassador program and then and probably in the audience has some people who've been trained as ambassadors But the ambassadors are people who are working in the industry, they're passionate about the industry, they're passionate about their job, and they're passionate about their company. And we train them to be able to go into schools, colleges, universities, communities, and to extol the virtues of working in the industry in a really enthusiastic way, but in a way that is getting the message across to the target audience that they're representing. We provide them with those presentation skills with basic careers advice and guidance information and ways in which that they can get them then into work tasters, work experience and jobs. Um, because the ambassadors really are the best people, they're the best advocates for the industry because they're, you know, doing it, wearing a T-shirt and, you know, they, they know best about their job. And we also encourage people to say what it's like in reality, not through rose tinted glasses, mm-hmm. because there's no point in painting a picture of what the industry is like if it's not like that. Um, so you do need to get that, you know, proper um, message across. But we need more ambassadors. We've got about a thousand or so active ambassadors. And if we were to get one ambassador into every single secondary school, we'd need another four and a half thousand, you know, and then Actually, you need more than that Actually, you need to get out into communities, you know, and, and encourage other people other than those young people in And education. it also
0: benefits the ambassador and their, and their, oh, their company and their, and their brand. So yeah. it's, it's a world yeah, worth it.
2: it builds their confidence and, you know, gives them job satisfaction to go and mm. talk about it. But, but it also, you know, from the employer's point of view, you've got an army of talent scouts who are attracting mm. your next recruits in and your next apprentices. And it, it's um, you know, brilliant all round, really.
0: Brilliant. John, if I could move on, move on to you. Um, what work right now is being done by UK hospitality, uh, particularly with the government, um, in making it
3: easier to create new careers and, and, and make them flourish? Well, quickly on a, on a couple of levels. One of the reasons we're going to face a massive resourcing challenge is what's happening on policy areas like immigration and like vocational education. So obviously on immigration we know that at the moment free movement is scheduled to end at the end of December 2020, Mm -hmm. and a new immigration system scheduled to come in uh, from the following month, the beginning of 2021. So obviously a huge amount of work is going on in trying to influence and lobby the Home Office and politicians on the future structure of that immigration policy. And I can give you (laughs) a chapter and verse if you really wanted it. The second broad area Is vocational education, because the decline in vocational education over 20 years, particularly affecting industries like our own, have actually been one of the big reasons why we have relied so much upon migrant workers from the European Union. And it's that decline in vocational education which we need to arrest. Louise's comments about the decline in the GCSE numbers from (laughs) 95,000 to 43,000 over a number of years is really alarming because the T-level qualification is going to be brought in, in two or three years time in catering. And if colleges don't have that talent That supply line of people passionate about food, interested in food, and having taken the GCSE, then the catering T-level qualification, which is so important for us, is going to really start off. It with an uncertain start. So, there are some big policy issues around immigration, about vocational education, which we influence the government on, or seek to influence the government on. But in terms of, if you like, the jobs campaign, uh, the industry campaign to bring everyone together, mm-hmm. um, a lot of that is going to be around the sector deal, as it's called, <clears throat> with the government promising an industrial strategy. We've worked very, very closely with the government, with other stakeholders like Springboard and People First to make sure that the skills is a hugely important part of the sector deal being promoted by the government. The government have agreed to it in principle and the sector deal will really give us the government's go ahead to build hospitality Mm -hmm. and to build hospitality careers. And it's that influence through government funding, its relationship to local authorities, city mayors, the devolved nations, local enterprise partnerships, universities, colleges, schools to really get the engine of the public sector moving. The key partnership I think that we're looking at, and Anne and I were at a meeting just 10 days ago, is to try and get the partnership with the Premier League and from the Premier League the rest of sport. And use the power of sport to bring people into the industry mm. the premier league is one of the most fantastically successful organisations that britain has got a huge following massive you know following throughout the country and the idea is to use premier league who themselves have a, a desire for their stadia to be all round visitor and tourist destinations they have a reliance match day hospitality they have a huge uh, requirement for catering and stewarding staff and so they want to partner with us Mm. in reaching uh, vulnerable adults people in local communities who've been out of work for a while as well as um, college and school students so it's putting uh, the partnership with sports organizations (coughs) the premier league as part of a sector deal um, we've got years to catch up. I mean, there are real difficulties, mm. as the excellent survey showed, are real difficulties in overcoming some public reserve, in some cases public hostility or teacher indifference, and we haven't got a lot of time to do it in. Mm. But those are the, some of the, the key aspects that we're engaged with at the moment. If I could if I could move on slightly, just... Moving on, we, I spoke to you last week and you did say
0: something quite interesting that I'd like to, to talk about. You, you, you said in, in the coming years... Yeah, <laughs> just, just one just, <laughs> yeah, just, just the one. Um, in the coming years, we're going to see a difference between different types of employers. There'd be a kind of survival of the fittest.
3: Yes, I did now, say that. Yes, you did. Um, Not
0: entirely in those words, but you but you did. Yeah. And I found it fascinating. I mean, how much more effective do hospitality HR departments need to be? And
3: also... What resources do they need from upstairs? Well, I'm not seeking to minimise the difficulty that you've got in your jobs today. I'm just so glad that I don't have to have responsibility for resourcing um, today, because it is hugely difficult. But, I mean, I'm so old that I can tell you that 30 years ago, I was HR director of the Bernie Restaurant Group. And, um, you know, resourcing then was a nightmare. You know, the resourcing manager, resourcing officers, you know, were just under huge stress and huge pressure to get teams recruited. And this was 30 years ago, but it is more difficult uh, today. The organizations that I think um, will really succeed is when you have the owner, the personality, the leader, who makes it, you know, just part of the lifeblood of the organization. It's center stage for the organisation. It's not having a CEO or a Chief Operating Officer who just shouts to the talent director that we need more people. It's actually a CEO who says, why are we not retaining the people? Why are we not attracting? What more do I need to do? It's a CEO who every time they start the weekly performance meeting actually says, can we just go through the number of EU nationals working for us by region, by location and what you as general managers have done with each and every EU national to encourage them to apply for the settlement scheme and why are those numbers not going up? If you actually make that sort of conversation about talent, about people, about their stories, about their progression, if you make that from the CEO, the most important thing that is discussed in the operations meetings, you change the culture. All of a sudden, the departmental managers, the general managers, the regional managers know what is important and what is valued in the organisation. And those CEOs need to be engaged by the And the the HR community need to show the character, the drive, the ambition to influence the operations chiefs to behave that way. And it's those HR departments that are able to influence what we call the line, line managers, Uh, those are the HR departments that will triumph. Their organisations will battle the talent, you know, will get through the talent battle much more straightforwardly, Mm. and they will succeed and commercially prosper. Okay, thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you all. Um, I think we're running short
0: of time for this panel, but we've got a couple of questions from Slido. Let's see. Now, what's the one thing employees could do in attracting young people? The one thing.
3: Each of you. Uh, without a doubt get into as, um, as Louise and Anne have said inspire by getting into secondary schools now. I'll give you two things oh my God. <laughs> Um
1: Following that getting into schools every year around February or March we have options evening in school really would welcome somebody to represent this industry, to be there alongside the food teacher in that room, to meet with parents, to talk about their career. And it's that We have it every year, and it's the big decision-making time. You get a chance to talk to their teacher, a chance to talk to their parents, local industries being there. The other thing that would really help is that when you're advertising for school leavers to join apprenticeship schemes to come to you, please mention that you'd look favourably upon a GCSE or vocational equivalent in food, because that's what's going to help us get these vocational qualifications really seen as something that you value as employers just two simple things Mm. as a takeaway today that you could do if you want (coughs) to contact your local food teacher you know we're we're really happy to help you do that too to be involved in those options evenings they're two big decision making points
2: and so in your early um, career strategies don't reinvent the wheel take advantage of those tried and tested initiatives that are out there already and we can amplify them and get more and more people behind them
0: um, Alright, we've got time for one more. I'll take the latest one. Is the recording of the panel discussion going to be available? Not to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, this is a very good one. What, what can we learn from countries such as France where waiting tables is considered a career? Now that, that's a good question because the whole notion of, of hospitality is different uh, across Europe. Is there anything we can take away from that?
2: Um, well, I think that we're an extraordinary industry. We employ over three million people, many of whom have been in the industry all of their lives and are really passionate about it. I think we need to be start start being positive about our own industry when we're going out and talking to people, rather than all the time saying negative things. Because it's a great industry. Let's shout about it even more. Um, and I think on the salaries thing, I, you know, I think there are many roles within the industry where we are, our salary levels are very competitive and it's about you know, being out there and saying you can start here and move your career around you know, lots of different variety of ways and climb the ladder and very quickly Um, get to a point where you're getting a really competitive salary. I mean, uh, some of the salaries that uh, some people in the industry have are eye-watering in terms of the level they get to. We should be showcasing that, and we should be proud to do so. Absolutely. Are there any questions from the floor?
0: Anyone here want to ask a question before we wrap up this panel? Oh, over there.
1: (laughs) Hi. um, You've been talking about, obviously, inspiring talent and and looking at a school leaver's age and looking at that. Um, I've, I've worked in education myself and worked for a college, And one of the things I've sort of always noticed over the years is that maybe um, some people that are actually in the education sector working as teachers, and and grant you it is a difficult field, and with education funding it it can be a nightmare, Um, but in terms of inspiring, what, what can we do as a more reunited approach? I mean, we talk about getting into schools and having more employers. But instead of it being a competitiveness of, oh, we're better than this hotel group, which is what you see often and, and I completely understand. But how can we get a more united approach about hospitality into the schools that all employers are actually on board with to create this talent pool that we need coming into the industry?
3: yeah i'll happily do that um that's it's a great question and there has been a lot of togetherness over the last few years um the springboard and uk hospitality participating in the big hospitality conversation you know a few weeks ago we were at manchester united and there were 50 to 60 employers on display at manchester united with school leavers and young unemployed people coming in. So I think that togetherness is there. There obviously needs to be a lot more of it. But I also think that the competitive aspect, um, when employers are competing against each other, is a vitally important part of raising our profile and raising the stakes and if you are in an hr department and you've been to a hospitality careers fair or you've been to a school or you've been to a college and you go and talk to back to your colleagues and say guess what company abc had this did that offered this we're miles behind i think that competitive mm-hmm. element is hugely important it goes back to what i said about the survival of the fittest if you likened the resourcing challenge to an economic recession. We all know that when you have an economic recession, there are some businesses that come out of recession absolutely motoring ahead. They have boosted their sales, maintained their margins, retained their staff, innovated, and they're in a really strong condition when the economy picks up. And there are others who, during that recession, have really de- declined. They've had to cut costs. Service levels have gone down. Margins have declined. They've had to cut costs even further. They're in that real cycle of decline. They come out of the, uh, the recession if they've survived. And that is what's going to happen with this resourcing challenge, which is, I think, unless there's a real change, going to be very, very demanding. There will be some businesses. Uh, that compared to others within their same geographic (coughs) set who really are motoring ahead, and there will be others that will be left behind. And I think you are overwhelmingly from the HR community in this audience, I do not underestimate just how important your commercial contribution is going to be over these next two or three years. I'm going to have to wrap that up, I'm afraid, but thank you very, very much. The industry panel, can we hear it? For
0: our second panel... I spoke to hospitality employers. Joining me on stage were James Grist, head of talent at D&D London, Robert Richardson, GM of the Grand Hotel in Kent, and Adam Rowledge, formerly GM of Georgian House in London, and now MD of Rowledge Associates, a consultancy and training agency. Adam, if I can start with you, um, do, you do you feel the hospitality industry Okay, let me me frame this. Brace yourself for this one. Yeah, Uh, There's a lot of great work being done in the industry. uh, A lot of new ideas coming about uh, and how to recruit fresh talent. Do you think there's a a tendency, not only in hospitality, but now that's trying to get myself out of this, um, to be a little too complacent sometimes um, in terms of changes that they've made to recruitment? Um, What needs to be done... To turn things around, to make to make this entry level whole idea of getting new people, fresh blood into the industry, to an, an attractive proposition
4: for school leaders? Uh, so I think there's a few things. First of all, I think you, you you're quite right. I think we are a bit lazy and have become a bit complacent. And uh, so it's are, not just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, you know there are some great people doing some great work, but it's probably about ten percent or, or something like that of the industry as a whole. And you can have as many great people doing as many great things as, as possible, but. Uh, but Anne was saying earlier, you know, we have to do this consistently and, and make sure it's happening, uh, you know, on a sort of much wider wider basis, really. Um, and I think the other thing that we've got to do is actually, uh, you know, not only just uh, sort of disagree with John a little bit, we have, we have got to be. upping our game to make sure that we're competitive in that sense but we actually just need to take a bit more of a kind of macro approach to this and sort of think well you know i'm not going to go into one school tomorrow and expect that somebody's going to come and work for me next week we all need to do this for the good of the industry and we all need to look at ourselves internally as well because we can go into as many schools and colleges as we like but if our own employees are posting on social media, I've just done a ten day straight and five AFDs, then it's wasting our time, to be quite frank. <laughs> uh,
0: how important
4: do you think is the use of employee
0: brand uh, in attracting school leaders? I mean, uh, and did touch on it in the ambassador program where you can that make that work. But how important do you feel
4: it is? I mean, do. How specific do recruiters need to be to get it right? Um, so, uh, I definitely think that employer brand is very important. I'm hoping to make a lot of money out of that. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I think it's important to recognise that you know employer branding is important, but it, you can't have a different employer brand to your consumer brand. The two need to be to be aligned. And uh, just as you know, we can go into the schools and colleges and, and do all of that sort of stuff. Uh, people don't actually. Twenty-five percent of people don't actually trust their. They trust a complete stranger more than their their manager. Mm. And it's the same if you've got someone and, uh, you know, this goes for general managers or HR, you know, manager, whatever. You know, a lot of people will see that as a sales pitch. It's really important to have people within your team going into the schools, the colleges, and talking to their friends as well. So, yes, parents are important, but peer influence is also equally important. And 40.2% of 18 to 25-year-olds will make a career decision based on something they've seen on social media. And that's not your nice careers Instagram page, that's the... Consumer Instagram page as well. It's what their friends are sharing on their social media. Um, so I think you know people need to kind of be wising up to that.
0: Robert, if I can move move over to you, um, you're involved with schools in your local area, aren't you? Um, you're showcasing uh, hospitality b- businesses. I mean, is this an idea you came up with yourself? Um, ta- talk talk us through it. How it works. What you've been, what you've been up to.
5: Okay. Well, I've been working um, with various schools now since early 2017, and It's not so much about trademark the Grand, it's more about hospitality as a brand. And uh, whereas we can send resources into schools, we can do careers chats, we can spend time basically championing, yeah, isn't hospitality fantastic? So much better to get the pupils out of their comfort zone and bring them into your business and actually see what the world's like. Um, I've done a lot of work with careers leads in schools and the barrier that I find there, and that's what's informed how I work, is most of how they operate in terms of career is they engage with their own network, more often than not, that doesn't include hospitality or they look at careers based initiatives based around their curriculum again doesn't involve hospitality so we're always essentially the poor relation in terms of employer engagement Um, There's a great firm out there called the Careers and Enterprise Company and it's partly government funded in order to drive employer engagement with students so I approached them and said, um, born out of necessity We have a skills crisis, certainly where my hotel is, uh, recruiting staff has become progressively more and more difficult, so I thought, We have an equal uh, recruitment policy for people with disabilities, people with challenging backgrounds, people of any age. Why don't we extend that to cover school children? So exclusively, we work with pupils of 14 to 18 years old with a view of inspiring them. Now, taking a 14-year-old into your business is not going to solve a recruitment problem today, but it certainly will tomorrow. And by bringing them out of their comfort zone, showing them the very many eclectic uh, offerings our industry has is great. Something we do is bring them up, we bribe them with breakfast or an afternoon tea, get them comfortable, get them on sugar high and then we give them a tour and we focus our tour on back of house and meeting the people. Adam rightly says it's um, social media led, people don't look at your own careers page they look at your people. Mm. Social media being a good medium and if these guys are walking around our businesses meeting happy shiny people who are doing a job they love and explaining to them that working in a hotel is not necessarily uh, culinary, it's accountancy, it's social media, it's craftsmen, we have an electrician, we have a plumber, we've got a bank of musicians, jobs that people don't necessarily associate with it. Um, We've taken that step further now and Thanks to some very, very kind businesses in London, we've been taking school children up and replicating what we do at the Grand in Harrods, in the Dorchester Collection, and various other businesses. Tell us about what you did before and after. You asked them what their perceptions were. Um, About six weeks ago, we took 20 pupils, uh, pupil premium pupils, so that's students from uh, challenging backgrounds up to London businesses. It was 20 students, predominantly uh, female, 10 from Kent and 10 from Essex. And we arranged to take them on a the tour of Harrods, followed by uh, Preferred Hotels, followed by the Dorchester and Ending Dukes. So four very different businesses offering four very different snapshots of the industry. I'd not met any of these pupils before 9am at Harrods front door, and when we got there, we gave each of them a pen the a post-it note, and we said, write down your impression of hospitality please, and they did, and more often than not, it was poor hours, poor wages, uh, one pupil said slavery, which um, really <laughs> rounded it home, so that was nice, and they drew a very nice picture of themselves behind some bars, and bars. Uh, <laughs> That we've still got, and we took them into Harrods, they told me it looked like Hogwarts, they had a great time, and that was replicated for other businesses. At the end, we sat them down, we gave them another post-it note and a pen, and we said, now, the same question, tell us what you know about hospitality. And we got one fantastic answer, which was, I did not know hospitality opened so many doors. Two of those pupils went on to <coughs> start a uh, work experience programme at one of the hotels. Another impressed so much, he's got a day working with a uh, superb chef at the Osman hoburn And it did, as the pupil says, o- open some doors. Mm. And it is about challenging perceptions. Schools don't, uh, rightly or wrongly, prioritise hospitality in the way that they did previously. And if we don't do it, who else is? Mm, exactly. Yeah. James? If I could Hello. come to you now. Hello. Um,
0: I was lucky enough to attend a couple of D&D's My Hospitality World <laughs> events earlier this year. Uh, the Flombe Masterclass. Lost my eyebrows in that one. Um, but there was, um, there was the, the restaurant takeover uh, <coughs> at yeah. of Blueprint Cafe. It was great. And Now, um, can you tell us about how My Hospitality World works and how it encourages Children yeah, or, or, or students, because yeah. they were from Southeast London College.
6: So we did a two-week program um, of inviting students into our businesses. Uh, not necessarily just the one you talked about, but uh, throughout the week there was uh, tours of 100 <laughs> Wardour Street, which is just around the corner, which has Kim as the female head chef. Uh, so really inspiring females to come into the business. Uh, and then we had things like uh, a pasta Ma- master class. Uh, we had the takeover, so the takeover in Blueprint Cafe, we had around 15 students come in. They worked alongside the head chef, they created their menus, they talked about service standards, uh, they created uh, steps of service. So they really embraced running that restaurant. Mm. So then, uh, and then we, uh, we promoted it on social media, we pro- promoted it through press. And so we gained a lot of interest and then on the day the students actually i think there was the covers total for the day was about 80 covers which is fantastic and they were so proud coming out seeing the waiters really talk about the food they bring uh, the food to the table and actually going into detail about what was on that plate and you can just see like if you looked into the kitchen you can see the student chefs just looking out to see if it's going down well it was really inspiring Uh, from that we actually uh, have employed one of the students in the kitchen. Uh we are making an offer on another student today uh and we have two other students in trial. Uh so it's really I, I know it's only four, but in the in, in, in the bigger sense it's not a lot. But for us it's a success. Yeah. Uh and I think it's that whole week was really good for us as a business because one we got to hear from students and what they wanted Mm. and listening to actually listening to what they wanted from a career but also for us to showcase what a career in hospitality looks like and we were doing it obviously for D&D but it was about the industry in general Uh, and having someone do a tour around a kitchen and actually having those stupid questions that no one really wants to ask, but they but they want to at the same time, and not being ridiculed for it. Mm. I think a lot of students took that opportunity to to really go into detail. Mm. Uh, and it was fantastic, really mm. a success for us, yeah. and open to talk to anyone in this room if you ever want to get involved or hear more about how you can do that, uh, happily share knowledge on this.
0: Yeah, I encourage you all to do that, it's good. I think it's, there's another, uh, section of the, of the, there's more restaurants taking part in August I do believe, yep, is that so, right? Yeah. Yep. so we,
6: we're planning to run it again uh, and we are looking at uh, some of our uh, top talent within, the, within our business uh, and using it as a platform to get people into different areas. So, for example, we have obviously a massive head office, uh, a director of marketing wants to get involved. Again, not just saying it's a front of house operations mm. role or a back house role, it's everything in our industry.
0: How can HR departments and recruiters really begin to understand what young people want from a career, James? I mean, what have you done to acquire that kind of knowledge?
6: So, at D&D, we run uh, management and training programs. We take around about twelve uh, students a year, uh, graduates, uh, and they can they come from any industry, uh, but they have to be a graduate. Within my team of, uh, we're a team of resources, um, I need more knowledge on what that looks like. When someone comes into the industry, what are they looking for? So uh, I have actually taken on a manager in training. She's going to do six months within my department, and then she'll move on to a management in training program. So she's going to do six months with me, and then a year after that she will sign up to do the full course operational.
0: Is she here? She is. Oh, there she
6: is. <laughs> <laughs> Could you give a round of applause for Lorna, please? Uh, just to warn you, I feel terrible, but Lorna is. She's only been with me for two days. <laughs> and I told her yesterday that this was happening. <laughs> um, so she's under the spotlight. Um, but I think it's a really uh, good opportunity um, for people in the room to understand what... Uh, so just to give you background on Lorna, sorry. Uh, Lorna didn't study hospitality. Uh, she uh, studied... Uh...
7: Um, so I studied social
6: anthropology. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Carry> sorry. <on. laughs> uh, and then uh, we met and... Normally, we only take MITs that come from a hospitality background. But the passion with Lorna that she was choosing this industry and it was something that she wanted to get into, I couldn't say no to it. Like, we don't, we rarely come across people that don't work in our industry and they're passionate to get into the industry. Like, I couldn't say no. Um, So, I think it's from Lorna's point of view, I think it'd be great if she explains, like, why she wanted to come into this industry, what attracted her to it.
7: Um, so, like it was mentioned, I didn't have particularly food tech or anything in school, so I wasn't really, I didn't know a lot about the industry at all, and so when I went to university, I got a bar job just because you need some money on the side, and it was only then where I had a manager who was really sort of inspiring, and even though it was a busy shift, he'd just sort of take five minutes to maybe like explain a new spirit that had come in or something, and that sort of... Um, Training, even if just small bits every day, sort of instils a passion and a sort of an inspiration in you. And I think at the end of the day, you are sort of working for your, when you first start out, you don't know the CEOs, you don't know the wider business, particularly if it's a chain or a group, and you are working for your direct manager. And that is incredibly important that they have that depth of knowledge and they, and it's not just a job to them. I also then didn't know about the sort of breadth within the hospitality industry. Um, I didn't know about, so, you know, you could go into events and marketing. And I always sort of thought that that sort of side was close to me because at 14, I didn't pick GCSEs, which would sort of get me into a marketing, like, degree. Um, and so throughout the course, I'm, I've only been working in the industry for two years, but um, throughout the course of my career, I want to do a lot. Um, I don't know what yet, but I think the manager and training programme is very important because I think it it moves around 29 departments or something Um, and so I'll get to see it all and I'll get to sort of shape my career within a company which is not only sort of really passionate from what I can tell about hospitality but that they're passionate about me and I've met you guys and everyone's just been so supportive so I think that is incredibly important. (laughs)
0: Laura can I ask you what what from your point of view what do you think hospitality employers can do more to attract younger people?
7: Um, I would say the sort of the social media that you mentioned earlier is incredibly important, particularly with um, and LinkedIn is very big. Um, I hadn't heard of Cater or Harry particularly until I started looking for careers in hospitality. Um, LinkedIn, once it's an app on your phone, it's like any adverts that pop up on there are sort of then linking to your Instagram and your Facebook, so it's hard to get away from if you start to look in a direction, (laughs) you'll see more and more and more. Um, I would also say, I think it is obviously incredibly important to look at schools and college level, but also graduates um, who sort of maybe if they are in sort of the events or marketing teams, maybe don't look, I wouldn't think to look directly into hospitality, but there are options there, which aren't maybe mentioned in the careers events at school when people say they want to go into marketing.
0: Right, thank you very much, Lauren. It's been, it's been. I'm glad that you, you could, you. Uh,
2: <laughs> you <laughs> bit the apple. You please stay, please stay, please stay, stay.
0: Um, oh, I just want like to finish up with my questions by asking you, and very briefly, if you could, you could help with this. I mean, speaking to employers, I mean, looking at uh, entries at our. KTRA.com People Awards uh, every year. Um, There are a lot of great changes happening in the industry and they are making uh, brilliant ideas. Um, You know, you can now choose your own. You can can get great training, you can get great salary. But do you feel the industry should be making more of an effort to broadcast this? Because look at the results of our
5: survey. Should they be standing on tabletops and, and, and really belting it out? I think so. Um, picking up on Adam's point again, social media is what people look at these days. You know, if we look at our own social media engagement in our business, it's predominantly after 10 o'clock at night, and it's predominantly by smartphones. So we, that's an entry into our businesses. We should absolutely shout about our successes. We should shout about bringing people into our business, them as an individual, what they've done for us, and just have, have what a fantastic journey they've been on. And I think that is the message we need to get out.
4: Mm. Yes, I think there's a couple of things, I mean, obviously all the data's here, and yeah. as I said, it's the same data that we had, you know, in 2012, so we know the things that we need to either improve or actually tell people that it's actually a misconception, mm. and I think the key thing really is to actually just think of, of people coming into our business to work as the same way as we would talk about guests, so it's actually just very simple marketing, so you, you need to understand the market, you need to understand who your competitors are, you need to meet the demands of the market, mm. you need to segment it, because, you know, the person who's maybe 65 and looking for a, part, excuse me, a part-time job just to get a bit of social activity, and a bit of money, isn't going to be wanting to be communicated to in the same way, and in the same channels, for the same reasons mm. as the 16-year-old um, you know, potentially coming out of school. Um, and then just actually live up to your brand, so you know, do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. It's pretty simple.
0: Brilliant. James, I'm not going to ask you that. I'm going to go to Slido now. Right, what have we got? Uh, which countries are successful at inspiring entry-level talent? Is it just UK that's struggling, or is it a global crisis? Who, who can we learn from?
6: Um, yeah, I do, I think it is a global crisis. Um, I do recruitment in New York as well, and it's the same challenges. It, it, it's not just a UK-based thing. Um, and I think we do have to, things that work in the UK can be applied in New York, and I think there's a lot of things that the Americans do can be applied here. Mm. Um, so no, I don't think it's it's just the UK. Uh, it is global, um, and I think we have to uh, the bigger brands that can do this marketing of people. I think need to do it, and I think it's for an industry cause rather than just a, a just a, a company cause. I think we really have to challenge each other to to inspire young people to get in there, and I think that is a that is competition between us. Um, but I also believe that sharing knowledge with each other is really important and uh, i go to recruitment breakfasts with other recruiters um, and we talk about these things and it's it, it's i'm stealing from one of them and they're stealing from me and it's fine it's part of the game but it's also sharing knowledge and using that platform so i don't uh, yeah i don't think uh, it's just a uk-based challenge
0: okay thank you very much and i want to thank both our panels i'd like to thank all our participants and I hope you found our discussions useful. Please do follow us on Twitter at caterer.com, that's caterer, D-O-T-C-O-M, likewise on Instagram. You can search for us on LinkedIn and check out our blog, which is blog.caterer.com. Be sure to join us next time on Recruiting and Hospitality from caterer.com. I'm Lancelot Narayan. Bye-bye.